Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to everyone's favorite, The Impact Is Own, Michigan State's men's basketball podcast. I am your host, Brennan Shabath. Joining alongside me is my broadcast partner and fellow men's basketball beat reporter, Michael Markoch. Our writer, Luca Maloney, not feeling it today, a little under the weather, a little ill, so he has decided to take today off. We wish him all the best, and hopefully he is back soon. But, Michael, we have a very big weekend coming up ahead of us very exciting yeah it's it's super exciting we leave tomorrow for bloomington indiana Uh, gonna get to call the game sunday in assembly hall like it's one of the cathedrals of college basketball like it's one of those places you dream of getting to go for anywhere and when it comes to college basketball and we're gonna get to go and we're really excited to get down to bloomington and uh just uh, you know, do our stuff. Yeah, and for me personally, Indiana was a school that I looked at at mm-hmm. possibly attending yeah. for college. And anybody who's familiar with college, out-of-state tuition is relatively expensive <laughs> these days. Uh, so that wasn't in the cards. But I did head down there for a visit, um, you know, toured some of their journalism buildings and uh, just the overall campus. I think Indiana and Michigan State are two very similar schools too i think like the pedigree of their sports programs is pretty similar the history um the college life the party kind of lifestyle is very similar as well um so i think we'll feel like at home away from home um that's kind of how i felt when i was there visiting um and, and it's a very cool place and obviously assembly hall the arguably the most historic building yeah. in college basketball, or it's one Denver of. Cameron, probably. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Um, I think the Palestra comes to mind as well. Hinkle, where me, Luke, and Trent got to go last year, was a great place. The Dean, yep, as well. But um, yeah, it's going to be a blast down there. Um, but before we get to the Indiana game, we have to recap since the last time we were here recording an episode. There have been three contests since then, two of them losses for Michigan State, one of them a win most recently as we were recording here on Friday afternoon was last night against Rutgers in the Breslin Center. 70-57 to Michigan State wins it by 13 over the Scarlet Knights. Let's go over the two losses, though. I think we can kind of lump these two in together. On the road against Illinois, 75-66, to Michigan State loses. They don't make a single three-pointer against the Illini. They go 0 for 7 from deep. Um, they were up by as much as 9 in the second half, end up losing by 9. And then the Purdue loss, a heartbreaking kind of emotional loss at home. Zach Eady, career high, 32 points. He puts in the go-ahead layup with two seconds left um, to put Purdue up one, which was ultimately the decider. The game that Tyson Walker had, a season-high 30, a chance to win it at the end, which, you know, that's all you can ask for at least. Um, and, and Michigan State ultimately just falls short. But coming into that stretch of Wisconsin-Illinois-Purdue at Wisconsin at Illinois-Purdue at home, the conversation was can Michigan State win two? And I think if you look at moral victories, they did. But obviously that's not how basketball works, and you only get one win out Mm -hmm. of those three, and that's at Wisconsin, which was a a, a good win. But uh, what was the biggest takeaway for you in these two losses to Illinois and Purdue? I mean, obviously the Purdue one was so close, and it felt like they, they, you know, other than the first five minutes, they outplayed Purdue. And they they outplayed Illinois, you'd argue, for 30 minutes. It was really only the final 10 minutes that we saw Illinois really turn it on, and those final five minutes were right after Malik Hall got hurt again. So it, it's tough, but I think against Illinois, looking at that game just specifically, Illinois turned on a switch in that second half on defense 
and Michigan State was just taken out of everything that they do best. You just saw a lot of dribbling, A.J. Hogard and Tyson Walker. It was go to work, do your ISO thing, and it's just that's not the way that this team plays basketball on the offensive end. And Illinois just completely took it right out. They Credit to them, they capitalized then on the offensive end and kind of pulled away in that game. Purdue, on the other hand, you know, Tom Izzo spoke on it after the Purdue game. I thought they had a really good game plan of they weren't they were not going to double Zach Eady. That just wasn't going to happen because he needed the resources on the outside to take care of players like Fletcher Lawyer. And it worked for the most part. Eady dominated, but Purdue wasn't dominating. Um, it seemed like they needed Eady just to kind of stay in it. Michigan State had the lead multiple times in that game. Felt like they might have been able to go on a run, and they just never were able to do it. Um, it wasn't, I would argue that Purdue and Illinois, the losses were kind of different. I feel like in, in this case, it was against Illinois. Illinois' defense played very well and kind of took Michigan State out of their own rhythm. I'd argue against Purdue, the exact opposite happened. Just the offense just wasn't there against Purdue. They didn't shoot particularly well again, unless your name was Tyson Walker. And he put up 30 points, but you know, when the rest of your team really doesn't come to play on the offensive end, you're not going to get the results. Yeah, as a team, Michigan State against Purdue, 25 of 53 from the floor, 6 for 19 from deep. Walker, 12 of 23 from the floor, 4 for 8 from deep. So only two other threes that weren't Tyson Walker threes and only a handful of other buckets uh, that were not his. He really carried them with that 30-point performance. A.J. Hogard had a good day as well, 14 and 8, um, only two turnovers. But... I was speaking with a professor here mm-hmm. at Michigan State, and I didn't ask and thus haven't been given the blessing to use her name on this podcast, so she will remain unnamed. Um, but she was at the Purdue game and was watching, um, and I have spoken with her at length about this mm-hmm. Michigan State team. And she said something that really stood out to me that I think is so true and has perfectly embodied this season for Michigan State. And I would say... Ever since I've been here, not not my freshman year when they had Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman and the season got cut short. After that year, though, it has embodied this team for the last three years. This Michigan State team lacks the edge that they used to have. They are not scary. As an opponent, I don't know when you look at Michigan State, they do some things well. It's a Tom Izzo coach team. They're yeah. going to rebound well. You know, Every away coach comes in and says, well, you know, Tom's always going to have his guys ready, which, okay, that's BS. Tom does not always have his guys ready. They weren't even ready for Rutgers last night, and they still got away with a win. But um, yeah. there's nothing from the likes of the past – Xavier Tillman, Miles Bridges, Nick Ward, Cassius Adrian Payne, Cassius. There's nothing scary about this team. There's nothing about this Michigan State team that when you're an opposing coach or an opposing player, you look at and you go, what do we do? How do we stop them? How do we contain this yeah. player? And now it's, okay, A.J. Hogart is going to get 12, 5, and 5. And Tyson Walker might have 20. He might have 12. Um, and Joey Hauser is going to have 10 and 8, 10 and 10. Maybe go off for 20, but he goes yeah. go for two. If they have a bad night shooting, we win. Mm-hmm. They don't defend particularly well. They don't do one thing great. They do a bunch of things anywhere yeah. from average to good. Um, they're just not scary. They don't have that like kind of cutthroat, you know, 
jump at you on the perimeter. We're going to get in transition. We're going to run in your face. We're going to beat your ass on defense. They don't have that anymore, and they're losing games because of it. You look at these other teams in the Big Ten. Purdue, Zach Eady. Rutgers leads the Big Ten in almost every defensive category. And Cliff Omori, who's yeah. insane. So scary. Iowa's going to shoot the lights out, and they had the leading scorer in the Big Ten last year. He leaves to go to the NBA. Oh, his twin brother is now second in the Big Ten in scoring. TJD in Indiana. Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis. Illinois, Terrence Shannon Jr. Dane Danger. His name is literally Danger, and he went off against Michigan and Meyer, State. too. Penn State, Jalen Pickett. Pickett. Northwestern, Boo Booey. Like, the list goes on and on for this con- Michigan. Hunter Dickinson. Ohio State, Bryce Sensabaugh. Like, exactly. Yeah. And and so there's nothing, like, there, there is nobody, like, I guess you could say that for Michigan, you know, Michigan State, Tyson Walker, he had 12 points last night. He, he had an off night shooting. He was very, he had three points in the second half. I mean, they don't scare you at yeah. all. And I don't know that they're going to scare anybody the rest of the year. I mean, what do you, like, what what, what do you think about that? I, I They're yeah. just not scary. Um, I agree with you, and I think it comes down to something we've been saying about this team for three years, and nobody really wanted to believe it. This team doesn't have a star, and we know we can talk at length about the recruiting class that Tom Izzo has coming in, and maybe there's a star in there, and maybe they'll get that player back. But ever since Cassius Winston walked out the door, there hasn't been a best player on this team. And you could argue that on this year's Michigan State team, that player was Malik Hall, and they haven't had that player. Or you could argue it was Malik Hall or Jaden Akins, neither of which you had that. I'm sure you would love to see Jaden Akins grow into that player, and it sounds like this summer he was growing into that player that maybe other teams would fear. And then the injury just set him back, and now he's basically back to where he was last year, it feels like. So they don't lack the player that you feel like late in the game when you need a bucket, Purdue always goes to Zach Eady. And Ohio State's always going to Bryce Sensabaugh, and Northwestern's always going to Boo Booey. Like, you know that. It, it's not a secret, and guess what? Those three guys score anyway. Michigan State doesn't have that guy. As of late, Tyson Walker's kind of taken up that role, I think by necessity, not necessarily by design. And they don't have – they just don't have a star. And it's a good team, but I wouldn't call it a great team. And that's just kind of where they're at right now. And I think when you bring up the point when Cassius Winston walked out the door, a lot of people forget, and I think underestimate – Xavier Tillman walked out the yeah, same door at the him. same time. And, and he that, was the enforcer on that team. And that Xavier Tillman, to me, was really the scary part of that mm-hmm. team. Man, he was a father, a literal. He had a child. He, he has a yeah. kid. He was a literal father while he was playing Division One yeah. college basketball. And he acted like it on the yeah. court. He babied some of the other— out there. He yeah. babied some of the other Big Ten Big. Ten bigs. And it worked for Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And I think people underestimated— you know, the loss that he had, and they thought, oh, well, Marcus Bingham Jr. is going to step up and Rocket Watts and la di da di da di da da and it didn't work. No. And, you know, you bring up recruiting. Recruiting, schmacruiting, dude. I I am the biggest non-recruiting talk dude yeah. of anybody in the country. I don't care who they have coming in. I feel better when I look at and see Michigan State's got the best recruiting class in the Big Ten and they're top five in the country, yeah. whatever, who cares until they, they take play. the floor? Mm-hmm. 
They are freshmen, and you can see it. The, the biggest thing in college basketball nowadays is the transfer portal. Yeah. The best teams who recruit the best will pull the best players yeah. from the portal that fit their scheme right. Look at Alabama. Look at Houston. Look at Kansas. Look at Baylor. Duke and North Carolina do it every year. Exactly. They pull the transfers who work. North Carolina got Pete Nance from Northwestern. I mean, Pete Nance was one of the best players Northwestern had in a decade. One of the best players under Chris Collins. And so he just went to North Carolina. And so, you know, they can have these four great freshmen and Cohen Gar and Xavier Booker and all this stuff. But until they take the floor and until they're coached properly – who cares? It doesn't mean anything. And I know Michigan State fans don't want to hear that because they're all hoopla and crazy for recruiting, but it really doesn't matter. It's the same thing. It's the same conversation yeah. they have in football for this football team. You know, they can recruit well, but they don't got a good coaching staff. So what does it matter? Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree with you on, on the recruiting talk because, it, well, it, especially with the football team, that's a, that's a different podcast <laughs> yeah. for another day. Yeah, that's the Spartan um, Red Zone, if you where, want it. Yeah, where, you know, you're recruiting five stars and then, you know, one of your biggest rivals is out getting five stars and you're like, oh, it's fine. No, it's not fine. Right. But, there's high expectations here at Michigan State for basketball. Like that's what this school is known for, at least when it comes to athletics. And that's you know credit to Tom Izzo for creating that. And long before Izzo was even here, all those coaches that have ever come before him for creating that culture and maintaining it. But it's just one of those things. Like you're right, they just don't have the player, and they don't have the players. Like there isn't a player that you just look through on the lineup and you're just like, yeah you know what, I'm worried that that guy's really going to give us the work today. Because with Michigan State, it seems like it's a different player every game. Tyson Walker explodes for 30, and last night it was Jackson Kohler, of all people, who was the best player on the floor for Michigan State. And we haven't seen that all year. Mm-hmm. And then maybe A.J. Hogard goes off for whatever it was, 26 against Penn State. Joey Hauser has a night. Monty Sissoko against Gonzaga and Kentucky. We haven't seen that guy ever since. Disappeared. And so... That's the thing. Every single player on the team is inconsistent. There, there hasn't been a single one, and I would say the one steady hand that you had, we don't know if you're going to see him again in green and white. You don't. Right. So that's just kind of where you're at right now, and you're going to have to navigate a very difficult Big Ten, the Big Ten tournament. Hopefully the NCAAs, hopefully you know the sky doesn't fall on this team because right now they're, they're fine. But it's... Anybody that thinks this team could win a national title this year, I think, is just kidding themselves. Honestly. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to put it. That right now this team is fine. They're fine. Mm-hmm. They're, they're fine. okay. And they're good enough to be a tournament team, but they're not good enough to be a contender. And nothing. That's where yeah. You are. And nothing that's where more. You are. And, and so before we get into, we're going to preview Indiana and also Iowa because we won't be on the call for that one back here at home. Um, so before we get into those, though, let's let's talk about Rutgers and then the bigger picture as well. Mm-hmm. Is that it's easy to feel good about this team based on the last four games. You yeah. win at Wisconsin on the road. You were in it against Illinois, and you don't make a single three. That's probably not going to happen the rest of the year. If they make one or two, that's a very different ball game. Mm-hmm. Purdue, back and forth until the very end. You have a chance to win that game. You can't ask for much more than that. You honestly have to feel happy about Purdue. Rutgers is a weird one to me. Because watching last night, I legitimately do not understand how, how, I saw, how I saw what I saw and how Michigan State won. By double digits. By 13. Yeah. They got punked on the rebounds, punked defensively, bullied in transition. 
outcoached for the first 20 minutes whole, dude. Steve Peichel's offensive sets were way better than... It took Michigan State four possessions to get Tyson Walker the ball. Like... So they somehow win this game, and it's because Cam. I mean, yeah, you look at the box score, and that explains a little bit. Cam Spencer went one for eight, uh, and Rutgers as a team went two for seventeen from deep. And Michigan State went like what eleven yeah, for twenty three, fifty four percent, twelve for twenty <laughs> two. Yeah. Both of those things are not going to happen the rest of the no. season. Michigan State's not going to make twelve threes in a game the rest of the year, and Rutgers is not going to miss fifteen. Okay, so you can almost write it off, and it's a bummer for Rutgers, a team who just got into the AP top twenty five. I think deserves to be higher than they are. Are. Um, and for Michigan State, they get away with one. It's a quad one win. They beat the best defensive team in the Big Ten, and it's going to go on the resume as a as a quality win. But for the people that didn't watch, you're getting fooled. You are being deceived. Rutgers, in my opinion, was just the better team. Last night, I uh, my biggest takeaway from last night, and I think Tom Izzo said it after the game, I the Breslin Center won a game last night. Plain and yeah, simple. Like they really did. the Breslin did its thing. And that's it's one of those games where you don't think Michigan State probably has any business winning it, but because of the atmosphere, which was electric last night, they got it. The fans helped carry. The Rutgers just didn't seem to handle it all that well. They shot poorly. Because I mean, I was even I was even telling our writer Luca on the way home last night. Like at the end of the game, you saw the Rutgers players' body language, and it wasn't anything of they weren't hanging their heads or anything. In fact, they were like clapping and they were just like, you know what? It's not our night. It's just one of those things. They knew that they were the better team last night. Just when you shoot two for 17, you're not going to win basketball games. But the Breslin took another victim last night. And I wouldn't, because I wouldn't say like Michigan State did anything. It's just the the ups and downs of that game, the momentum. Michigan State started shooting well and the crowd got into it. And Rutgers just never seemed to find any sort of momentum in that building. And that's just... It, it happens every year. It's going to happen to you in another team's building once a year, and you're going to have it happen in your building once a year where you just play, you shoot the lights out, and the other team doesn't do anything, and that's just because you're at home. And I think that's what happened last night. Speaking of home court advantage, that leads us right into the Indiana discussion. Michigan State heads to assembly Sunday afternoon, a noon tip. Michael and I will be on the call for that. You can listen to the Green and White Report on Impact 89 FM just before leading up, and they're going to throw it to us out there in Bloomington for that game. Um, we've already talked about the the arena, but you know, you mentioned the Breslin. They won a game last night. Assembly has done that numerous times for the Hoosiers uh, and this Mike Woodson squad. Weird Indiana team. Very weird. Yeah. One of the best teams in the country, in most my talented. opinion. Yeah. Most, yeah, talent, most talented for sure, but they're 12 and 6. Uh, they had a three-game losing streak earlier this year. They lost, other than against North Carolina, all of their big non-conference games. Mm-hmm. They lose to Arizona. They lose to Kansas. Um, they've already lost to Rutgers once this year. Their only big non-conference win is North Carolina. And I guess Xavier, at the time, it didn't seem that big. Xavier has really has shown themselves as one of the best teams in the Big East. Yeah. Um, so that win over Xavier by two on the road back in November is a big one. But... Three losses in a row to Iowa, Northwestern, and Penn State. Two of them on the road. The Northwestern loss at home. Uh, they did beat Wisconsin at home, and then Illinois, they punked Illinois last night. Beat them by 15 on the road down there in Champaign. An Illinois team who was feeling good after the Michigan State win. Um, so maybe Indiana's kind of figuring out, but the big thing for them, they've lost their senior point guard, Xavier Johnson, and they've lost their, I believe, fifth-year senior and glue guy, Race Thompson, and indefinitely is the word on both of them. 
um, and it didn't look good for either one. I don't know that this Indiana team, you know, they might mess around and play spoiler for some people and maybe pick up a win or two in the Big Ten tournament, but in the on the national scale, I think they have grown irrelevant at this point unless something changes. And you touch on injuries too. I mean, Trace Dak, Tra- uh, excuse me, Trace Jackson Davis has missed some time as well for them, and he's been in and out of the lineup. And so, it's it's been. This was one of those teams that I think they were the hot pick to win the Big Ten this year. I think there wasn't anyone with a doubt in their mind. Like in, this is Indiana's year; they're going to be the one seed in the Big Ten tournament. Now they're fighting for their lives right now. They're they're fighting for their lives just to get out of playing on the first day. Um, I would think they will. I, they'll probably find a way out of it. Um, but I mean, it's one of those things. They're just not between the consistency of their players being on the floor and then how those players play when they're on. It just hasn't been there for Indiana because I mean, again, this is a team that came out of this you know to start the year and they were scorching hot, and then they go play some of those big boys in non conference, get punked a little bit. And then since they just, it's been just up and down and up and down. Right now they're they're ascending on a high because they beat up Wisconsin too. Um, so that's Michigan State has a habit right now of going up against teams when they're at their peak, and they may be running into a very motivated Indiana team who's looking for. Look, no matter what Michigan State wants to believe, this is a statement win for Indiana. It, this is a statement game, I should say. It would be a statement win that if you beat Michigan State, a team that beat you last year. You're good, and I'd be three in a row for them. So that's this is one. It's important for both teams, but Indiana for sure is just trying to. They're trying to find themselves a little bit, but they may be figuring it out at the right time. The Hoosiers currently three and four in the Big Ten in the bottom half of the fourteen team layout. Michigan State with the win against Rutgers did move up to five and three in a tie for second with the Scarlet Knights. I, it doesn't feel that way, no. Um, but they have an opportunity in front of them to kind of, I think, rewrite the script on a Michigan State team without Malik Hall. You know, that's the reality you have to deal with right now is that in some of the losses and in some of the games before both Hall and Akins were back, but then especially when Akins was back and Hall wasn't, it was like, all right, let's just get through this yeah. without him, and then he'll be back and we'll be fine. Um, now that I'm not sure Malik Hall suits up the rest of the year, that that's what I mean. That's what the thought is. It, it's not. I mean, I, we're not speculating. We don't know. I don't. I don't think the team knows really what the situation yeah. is. Yeah. Um. And so I agree. You can't be when he got hurt the first time. You were always kind of playing those games in November and December through the holidays, and you were like, you know what? Okay, it's just survival. Malik Hall is coming back. Now you can't act like that. You basically you got to play like he's not walking through that door again. Mm-hmm. And, and it, if he does, it's just. The cherry on top. It's a team that's going to have to learn and form its identity without him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an identity that is not going to be based on defense. It's going to be based on athleticism and transition scoring and three-point shooting and clicking offensive sets. Guard play. Yeah. Um, that backcourt has to do enough on oh, the yeah. perimeter defensively to get by and then go above and beyond offensively. And it also puts a lot of pressure on Joey Hauser because that is the position. Right now you're starting three guards and one's undersized. You're basically running Jade Nakins at the three. Then Joey Hauser's your swing man to get to Maudy. So, like, it puts a lot of pressure on him, and I think he might have been feeling it the last few games. I mean, he hasn't been shooting at those insane percentages he was shooting at early on in the season and he's he's kind of been scuffling a bit but I mean it, it 
everyone's going to have to step up. You're losing your leader. Like this is like we just talked about with Michigan State not being scary. But if there's any player on this team who you would think coaches maybe are doing a little extra game plan for, maybe watching a few extra plays of tape, it was Malik Hall. Like that's the player you have to know is on the floor. He was Michigan State's enforcer. And you've lost that now, and you got to find you got to find that edge again. Looking at some of the deeper numbers for Indiana, courtesy of KenPom.com, 25th in the country in offensive efficiency, 41st in defense. The big ones that stand out: sixth in effective field goal percentage. Uh, that takes into account three pointers and the fact that they're worth more than two pointers. Um, 11th in the country in two point percentage. They're making 57% of their two-pointers. That's a really good number in an area that Michigan State has not been great in this season. And also the two-point defense for Indiana, 25th in the country. You know, they, they, Trey Jackson Davis down low is a big part of that. Race Thompson played a factor in that early in the season as well. That's gone, gone away a little bit with his injury. But Michigan State is not going to win this game with the big play. They're going to have to need A.J. Hogarth to facilitate. They're going to need Jaden Akins to get out in transition. Tyson Walker is going to have to do his usual thing and come off high screens from Sissoko um, and, and get in the mid-range and score. The biggest key in this game, in my opinion, and the only way Michigan State wins is if Pierre Brooks shows up. Mm-hmm. Pierre Brooks needs to show up, he mm-hmm. needs to play well defensively, and he needs to make two or three threes. And if that's the case then I think Michigan State has a chance to win. If he has another game like he has in the past five or six, they're going to be in trouble. They are not good enough to not get contributions from every single person who steps on the floor. And contributions are weighted in different ways. But Brooks, he needs to retake that role that he claimed in Portland when they were without Malik Hall and when they were without Jaden Akins. And now they're without Malik Hall again, and he has this opportunity. He needs to seize this moment and take advantage, and it's going to be hard in assembly. It is not going to be easy. He's going to hear it from this crowd. It's going to be loud and raucous. But big-time players make big-time plays if we're going to get cliche. I mean, we talked about the injuries for Indiana. Where's their weakness right now? You don't have Xavier Johnson. They don't have Race Thompson. The guards should dominate in this game. Indiana's got some experienced guys in there who are good nonetheless. You know, they're not they're not bums out there, but like you should win that matchup there with Hogard and Walker. Now then you get into where what we had just mentioned with between Joey and Pierre. It's that swing spot. It's Akins, it's Hauser, it's Brooks. It's those guys coming in and being able to stop the wings from really taking flight on this because you know what Indiana wants to do offensively. They want to get it down low to Trace Jackson Davis, and they want to let him go to work and facilitate. He's also a really good passer as well. And so that Maudie's obviously going to have that assignment along with you know the two freshmen, but I'm interested to see how Izzo goes into this game and takes it. Does he give Trace Jackson Davis the... Zach Eady approach? Does he say, I'm not going to double him. I'm just going to let him do his thing, and I'm going to put all of my resources into stopping the perimeter for Indiana? Or does he maybe try to shut down Trace Jackson Davis and make the guards beat them the other way? But those are matchups you have to win, and Pierre Brooks is just, he hasn't shown up. He's been inconsistent. And that was someone that we talked about on the first episode we did of this show, of we two of the three of us thought he would be the most improved player this year. And in fact, you could almost say he's regressed yeah. a little bit from last year, his freshman year, when there was all that, when he gave everyone reason to believe that he was going to take that leap this year. And he just hasn't. And it just seems like it's it's just stuff off the court, I guess, with Pierre Brooks. If he's just not seemingly understanding what it is 
that it takes to be this, you know, basketball player at Michigan State. And obviously the team's not giving up on him or anything, and he has a plenty of time to turn it around, but, like, Pierre's got to get going fast. So your expert opinion, what happened Sunday? I I would I would say Indiana wins. I I wouldn't really know what the score is enough. Um, honestly, I'm just getting into my prep for Indiana, so this is a team that I'm going to start learning a little bit about tonight, but um, more at least than what I do now. But I just think Michigan State, I just don't think is in a great place right now. I think last night is a great deodorant to the issues that this team has, and we like t- we've talked deodorant. about that. We've talked about that at length so far in this episode. It just I don't really know how they won that game last night. We we continue to say it. And they put on deodorant, they didn't take a shower. Yeah, exactly. And so like I just think Indiana right now coming in having those two big wins, going into Illinois and just dominating that team from start to finish. Um same with Wisconsin as well. That was a home game for them. I just think Indiana's got a lot. They're going to have the best player on the floor and I think they're going to just find a way to get it done. It's pro- I would think it's going to be a close game, but I think Indiana will pull it out, and Assembly Hall will claim its victim. Yeah, I can't remember the last time this game got over 70 on either side. Mm-hmm. It's usually a weird game. And um, last year, Michigan State got them good, like yeah. 15 in the Brez. Yeah. Um, and I... Maybe last year was over 70, now that you mentioned it, but that was a weird Indiana team who wasn't good yeah. yet. Um, but especially in Assembly, I don't know that <laughs> these two teams get over 70. Maybe Indiana does, obviously, just with home court advantage. Sticks out to me right now for some reason. Gut feeling 67-62 Hoosiers. Um, I have not done well picking against Michigan State on this podcast in years past, um, but I'm sticking to my guns on what I know as a basketball person and what I have seen in the last however many games we've watched in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like Indiana is going to be rocking uh, two wins in a row. They come back to yeah. assembly. Chance to beat Michigan State, move up in the standings. Um, you know that building's going to be packed. Oh yeah, it's going to. I don't care if it's a it's a Sunday. There is something cathartic for a college student about waking up hungover on Sunday morning, way earlier than you intended, after being out Saturday night, and getting up and going to scream your lungs out and cheer on your favorite team. And yeah. especially if it's a warm indoor building, you're not outdoors at football. You know, it's a warm indoor building. It's Assembly Hall, the best arena in the Big Ten. Um, there is something cathartic and enjoyable about that, and you'll be damn sure they're going to do it. And again, it it's not like it's a normal team. It's not like Minnesota's coming to town. No disrespect to Minnesota, but this is Michigan State. Like, again, this is Michigan Tom State. Izzo. No matter what happens to Michigan State, whether they were they don't have a win this year, like no matter what, if what, that happened, they have a target on their back every single year. This is a team that every single team in the Big Ten they circle it on their schedule, and they said, where is Michigan State? When do we get them at home? And more importantly, when do we get them on the road? But this one you get at home, Indiana's going to come to play. Think about it. Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State. That saves your season right there if you get those three wins. You're good. Yeah. You're good. Quick look at Iowa before we wrap things up. Not going to get too deep into this one. Uh, Hawkeyes, pretty impressive team. Kind of a sleeper in the Big Ten this year. Nobody expected them to be that good, especially losing Keegan Murray. But Chris Murray took a big step forward. Second best in the Big Ten in scoring right now. 21 points per game. They've got 
five double-digit scores on this team. Patrick McCaffrey is still there. Tony Perkins having a big year. Philip Rebracha, one of my favorite last names to say. And then Peyton Sanford has had some highlight plays this year. The four-point play against Michigan at the buzzer to send it to overtime. Uh, they currently sit four and three in the Big Ten and a tie for third with Wisconsin and Michigan, 12-6 and six overall. Um, a good Iowa team. We'll see what happens when they come to the Breslin Center. They haven't necessarily proven themselves on the road yet this year. Uh, but a Fran McCaffrey team is never a fun team to play against. No, they're not. And Iowa's one of those teams you'd much rather play them at home than out in Carver-Hawkeye. And Michigan State's going to have that opportunity. But this team's deep, man. They got It's not just the five starters. They can bring players off the bench and they can just keep throwing bodies at you. They have Tyler uh, Tyler Ulysses' brother on this team, Aaron. And he, uh, obviously, Tyler played on that Kentucky team that almost went undefeated. <laughs> like, this is a talented team. Is that the, that's the same Kentucky team that lost to Indiana at the buzzer, right? Was it? Maybe. I think so. Yeah. Maybe. But that's, that's no, his that brother. No, that might have been earlier, but yeah. And he's one of their backup guards. Um, made some starts this year as well. So, this is, um, it's one of those teams, I mean, it's a Fran McCaffrey team. He's been there forever. His team really doesn't change year in, year out. And, I mean, dude, Chris Murray, that's a baller, dude. I mean, Hooper with capital H, as we like to say. I mean, he's he's as good as his brother was when he was there, and he's going to have a bright future ahead of him as well. So, And, again, that's one of those – Chris Murray's one of these players that you really wish you had Malik Hall for because that right there, you know Malik Hall's got Chris Murray. But now we'll see. But this Iowa team, definitely someone you can't sleep on because you have to remember this is like trap game territory. You come from a game from Assembly Hall, you come home for a quick pick spot – and then next Sunday you're on the road in Mackey. Like Iowa's a game where you could lose your focus and you got to make sure that you, you know, keep that focus throughout the week so that way you can make sure that you're in a good mindset going into Mackey next weekend. All will tell in due time. Hopefully Michigan State has taken showers instead of just putting on the deodorant over the problem that is their stinky armpit right now. Michael and I will give you the verdict on that, whether they showered up or not. Uh, On Sunday from Assembly Hall, we'll have the call. You can tune in at noon to hear us with the tip. The Green and White Report will be live from 11 to noon before that, getting us started uh, on the day. Uh, for Luca Maloney, we hope you feel better. Um, well, he'll be back very soon. We're going to take AJ Evans, our sports editorial assistant, mm-hmm. down there with us, a fantastic writer and worker here at the Impact, getting his first shot I, to go on the I road. I just can't wait, dude. Yeah, this is going to be so fun. It's going to be a blast. We're going <laughs> to we're going to head down there. We're not going to forget any equipment. We're going to get there nice and early. Nothing's going to go wrong. It'll be great. But so for Luca and AJ, for Michael, I've been Brennan Shabath. You have been listening to the Impact Zone podcast. We will see you next time.